Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Hamlet, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Thank you. Thanks. I appreciate the opportunity to come before you and, and speak to you about something that, uh, topic that all of us are very familiar with. In fact, from the moment you were born, you started to communicate. You come out of your mom's womb and you started to cry, right? Babies communicate to us by crying, letting us know that they either are hungry or they want to be changed. And there's nothing cuter in the world than a three or four or five-year-old that's just learning how to read, right? They're little teeny tiny voices. It's just so sweet. And then parents, when they become teenagers, you're looking for that off switch, right? You just look a little bit of patience, a little bit of silence for where things are at. And then you would think as we get older, we would become masters of communication because every day, dozens of times a day, you communicate in one way or another, sometimes through words, sometimes through gestures. A lot of people these days are communicating with their thumbs, right? Anybody familiar with that? Anybody? Yesterday, I was driving home from an errand, and I was going north on 8th Street, and I was at Pine, and there was an elderly gentleman in the car in front of me, and he wasn't driving very well. He wasn't staying in his lane. Very elderly gentleman. So what was funny to me was we were at Pine Street, and it was a red light, and as soon as the light turned green, he started laying on his horn for the car in front of him to move, even though it had just turned green, laid on his horn. So I'm behind this gentleman, and I'm keeping my distance because, again, he's kind of like weaving in and out of the lane. We get up to where the credit union is, right before Central, and the car in front of him is making a right turn into the credit union. It's a tight turn, so the person slows down. And this elderly gentleman started to communicate in a very unfriendly way, laid on the horn and stuck his hand out the window and used a one-finger salute to tell the person they were moving too slow. Is that a good way to communicate with people? No. So the older we get... It doesn't mean that you're an expert at communication. Now, I want to make sure we're all on the same page. We're going to talk about communication. Communication, the simple definition of communication is here on the screen. It's a process by which information is exchanged between individuals through a common system of symbols, signs, or behaviors. The most key word in that entire sentence is it's an exchange. Communication goes both ways. You have to send information, and you have to receive information. And you might think, why is he telling us that? That's just really, really simple. I'm telling you that because most of us fail in communication on a daily basis. We don't spend enough time thinking or receiving what somebody's trying to tell us. We're too busy thinking about what we're going to say in return. So we're going to talk about communication. Successful communication always results in a clear understanding of two things, the intention of the message and the content of the message, right? There's lots of times where people try and communicate and the intention is missing, And you wind up reading the message or receiving the message and saying, I'm not even sure what I'm supposed to do with this. I got all the words, but I don't know what to do with it. So intention and content are very, very important. Now, the Bible in Ephesians chapter 4 talks to us a lot about how we're to treat people, how we're to speak to people, how we're to communicate with people. So let's read this together. Ready? Go. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourself together with peace, for there is only one body, one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. 
So God cares about how you communicate and talk to any other human being on the planet. He wants to make sure that it's done with love, that it's done with patience, with kindness. Now, let me take a quick poll. How many in this room today believe that in the United States, we are effectively communicating with each other? Raise your hand. Interesting. Okay. You know, I know five-year-olds that communicate more effectively than some of our elected leaders. That's a scary thing to say, right? We've gotten to a place in our culture where it's degenerated from the standpoint of how we communicate with people, especially face-to-face. It's really important. You you know, you watch TV, you get communication one way, usually from TV. You you can yell at the TV, but it's not going to listen to you, right? So what's really weird is if you ever watch the news, which most of us do, you got CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News all like right next to each other, on the digital channels, right? And one saying one thing and you turn the channel and another one saying completely opposite of that. And then there's one that's kind of off and left field for where things are at. Do you ever wonder where did all those experts come from? Who are all these people telling you what you should or shouldn't believe? Do they have good credentials? Are they getting paid because they look good? Or because they actually have a point to make and it's backed up by facts and data? It's really hard to understand. And you know they can't always be right. So Either one channel's really wrong or the other channel's really wrong, or maybe they're all wrong because they're so far left or right, they don't know how to come back and have a balanced approach to what they're trying to say. Let me tell you something that's very true. God doesn't care how many times you're right. He only cares how you love and serve. I'm going to say it again. God doesn't care how many times you're right. Only how you love and serve. At the end of your life, God's not going to tally all the times that you were right. Let me tell you, the listener of anything that you're trying to tell them, if you're bludgeoning them with truth or falsehood, doesn't care. They only care about how you treat them. Okay? It's amazing to me that people these days who are shouting and yelling their opinion or their point of view are surprised when the people that they're yelling and shouting at don't accept what they have to say. People don't like being bludgeoned with anything. Okay? Civility and common courtesy and communication seems to have been abandoned by many in our country, and especially by some of our elected leaders or people who are actually paid as their job to communicate well. So we need to make sure that if we're going to be good Christians, good witnesses for God, that we have this skill down and we do it well. We're never going to be perfect, but we need to do it well. So with all the technology that we've got, satellites, streaming, cell phones, smartphones, tablets, all the things that we've got, you would think we would be masters of communication, don't you? It's just amazing. The latest data says that the average person in the United States spends spends two hours and 57 minutes a day on their smartphone. That's amazing, isn't it? So if you're one of those people that spends 10 minutes a day on your smartphone, think about that person that's spending four or five hours a day doing nothing but using their thumbs and playing games. Um, Do you think that helps with communication or hinders it? Probably hinders it, right? There's a new phobia that's rising up around the world. Pastor Bernie a couple weeks ago talked about one of the top phobias that people have, which is fear of public speaking. I don't personally have that problem, okay? The new phobia that's rising is called nomophobia. Nomophobia is the fear of being without access to a working cell phone or a Wi-Fi network. I've traveled a lot for my job. I have seen so many meltdowns in restaurants and in airports by people who cannot get a Wi-Fi connection. It's absolutely amazing how a 30-year-old can turn to a 5-year-old 
over you know, the span of 10 seconds because they can't get their phone to work the way they want, they want it to. Now, computers and smartphones, I'm not up here to bash technology, okay? Those are tools to help us. They're supposed to serve us. They're supposed to make us more efficient, more productive. It's up to us to figure out how to use those devices to make sure that they're actually serving us and not the other way around. You don't want to be a slave to your cell phone. Now, we as people have chosen to utilize technology that has been advanced and created. I really do believe that it is one of the reasons that we've got such a breakdown in communication, especially face-to-face -face communication. Sociologists have named three inventions over the last 40 years that they believe have severely degraded our ability to communicate face-to-face. -face. First one in the mid-1980s was the proliferation of automatic garage door control openers. Think about it. When I was a kid, before I was a kid in the generation that you had to lift that garage door up, there was no button to push, you had to go work it, right? I knew every neighbor, I knew all the neighbor's kids, right? Everybody got out of their car, they had to get out, physically open a door. It's amazing how now people will hit their automatic, you know, remote control, and they drive right in and they shut it before even getting out of the car, right? I don't want to talk to anybody, I don't want to see anybody, I just want to get in my house and do what I need to do. Second invention, in the late 1980s, people started buying personal computers. They became affordable. PCs, right? IBM PCs, Macintoshes. Face-to-face uh, -face communication took a big hit when people started doing more typing than they did talking to each other. Third invention, I bet you can get what it, guess what it is. Smartphones, right? Back in the day, a cell phone was a cell phone, which meant you had to hold it to your head and talk. And it was just like that corded phone. The only difference was you could walk around with it. Now you've got smartphones. So you can surf the net, you can stream, you can download. Um, people are having a hard time communicating because they're spending so much time staring at the screen and using their thumbs instead of using their mouth and their minds. Okay? So the one thing that is really concerning these days is that when people aren't talking face-to-face -face is how brazen and rude they can be with their opinion. Right? I mean, that's probably the number one problem with social media is the way that people use it to bludgeon other people or to basically say whatever they want to say, knowing that they're never going to see that person face to face. And most of the time, those kinds of messages are pretty offensive. I will tell you, I miss the days, I've traveled a lot, I miss the days when you couldn't use your cell phone or your smartphone getting on the plane or off the plane. As soon as you went through the door of the plane, it was turned off. It sure made the process of getting on the plane and off the plane so much faster and efficient. I realize that we're not going to ever go back, but I, I certainly miss those days. Now, we've all seen and experienced examples of poor communication. Um, I can tell you hundreds of times at work when we put out a message and it was taken from the manager to the supervisor to the team and how screwed up that message can get just in three handoffs. It's absolutely amazing. You guys remember that game called the telephone game? Right? We all played it in kindergarten. And it's amazing how many things we learned in kindergarten that we forget by the time we're in second grade, right? How to learn, how to treat, how to, you know, leave other people's things alone. Telephone game was always fun. So you start with 30 kids in a classroom, and over here on one side, you talk to poor little Johnny, and you tell him something in his ear, something like, Mark has a banana in his lunch sack. Something really simple, right? And then you'd go through 30 kids, and you'd get to the very end of the line, and you'd say, what did you hear? And the poor little kid would say, Mambo dog face down by the banana patch, right? <laughs> is totally screwed up through all those little transitions for something that's even super simple. So it's not hard for us to have a problem with communication, especially after it's been handed off several times. 
One of our greatest weaknesses and an area of repeated failure in our lives is communication. And this is true of every single one of us, right? We have times where we do this well. We have times where we don't do it well. But it's one of those things that we repeat over and over again, and then we stop and wonder, why did I have that argument? Why didn't my point come across with that person? Let's talk about four basic forms of communication that most of us have used day in and day out. First one being verbal. Most people like to talk. Agreed? Most people like to talk. The average person speaks at a rate of 120 words per minute. Two words per second. 120 words per minute. Now, we've all been in classrooms or in lectures where the professor spoke at 45 words per minute. Do we like it when that happens? Drives us crazy, doesn't it? We speak at 120 words per minute. The problem is our brains are able to process words at 680 words per minute. That means that your brain is bored 80% of the time. When somebody's talking, like right now, are you with me? (laughs) Raise your hands if you're with me, okay? Your brain is bored 80% of the time. And that's really one of the problems with communication is as the person's talking to you, your brain is wandering off someplace else thinking about lunch, thinking about something you got to do later in the day, or most likely the response to what the person is saying instead of it listening all the way through for where we're at. So that's one of the problems that we've got with verbal communication. Now, I'm going to say this again. Successful communication always results in a clear understanding of intention and content. If you're not listening to the speaker, you're not going to get either one of those. Okay? Now, it's understandable for us to have miscommunication verbally if you're speaking with somebody from another country, from another culture, and sometimes just across the United States. I'll tell you, back in the late 1990s, the company that I worked for merged with two other companies. We were originally Hughes Aircraft, centered in Santa Barbara, Los Angeles. We got merged with Raytheon, which was an East Coast Boston company, and with Texas Instruments, which is a Texas company. When those three cultures came together, we were all using the English language, but we couldn't talk to each other. We certainly didn't like each other, right? It was interesting to see how the different leadership from the different styles from those three companies caused communication to be very poor, uh, and it really affected the ability of the company to actually perform well. The initial public offering for Raytheon stock after that merger was about $65 a share, and after the first year, it was down at $17 a share. Is that good communication? No. We had some problems in the company that eventually got worked out. I'd be happy to say it's, I think, $189 a share now. So if you own Raytheon stock, good for you. Okay? So it's understandable if you're from a different culture. But if you live with somebody, if they're your kid, your sister, your brother, your wife, your husband, your coworker, and you see them every single day, don't you think you would be able to communicate with them well because you're familiar with them? doesn't work out quite so well, does it? So I want to show you a video, and I want you to pay really close attention to the words that are being used by both the woman and the man in this video. Take a look at this. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me, and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head, and it's relentless, and... I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head 
it's not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing- You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like there's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. On, if you would just don't try to see things my way. All right, that's pretty funny, isn't it? Guys, is that any familiarity with any conversation you've ever had? Yeah, don't raise your hand, you're gonna be in trouble. So now I've got one for the ladies. Okay, so here's a story for the ladies. A husband browsing the internet came up with a study that said women use more words than men. Excited to prove to his wife that he had been right all along. When accusing her of talking too much, he showed her the study results, and it said men use 15,000 words a day. Women use 30,000 words per day. And he looked at his wife and said, see? And his wife thought for a minute and then said, finally, it's because we have to repeat ourselves. <laughs> and her husband said, what? <laughs> okay. Let's move on. Written and pictorial. Sometimes history shows that we don't communicate well face-to-face -face as human beings. So we resort to using signs, pictures, words on signs, photographs. We use all kinds of different things. We're going to take a look at a few of these and see if they really convey the meaning that they were intended for. So let's look at the first one. See what it says at the bottom? So if you're driving a car, which words are you going to see? Are you going to read also the bridges out ahead? Probably not a good sign. Probably not very effective. Let's look at the next one. This should be in front of my house, actually. No soliciting. Too broke to buy anything. I know who I'm voting for. Found Jesus. That's a good one, right? If you're a Girl Scout, you want to come to this house. They only want thin mints, okay? Next one. Makes total sense, doesn't it? I don't think floors move, but okay. Next one. And this is sad because this is a real sign in a building. We have a problem with our devices if we have to tweet it or text it before our personal safety, correct? All right, here's the next one I don't understand at all. I guess penguins are adopting children and walking them to school. Next. Okay, if you encounter a mountain lion... You would think this sign would have one thing on it. If you encounter a mountain lion, do this. Back away slowly, be large and shout. And then the poor kids, right? Keep children close, pick up children without bending. Not sure what that's about. If attacked, fight back. Well, that's a good last resort, isn't it? How about this one? Makes perfect sense. Absolute perfect sense. Next one. Free car wash in the right lane. Right? Perspective's everything. And the last one. This is a street sign in England. I have no idea what it means. Anybody? Anybody lived over there that knows what that means? I have no clue. 
other than somebody likes dinosaurs. Okay, so street signs, signs, pictures, and words don't always make sure that we're successful. Another way of doing communication, physical gestures. So in traveling around the world, I've seen a lot of different cultures and things. I've also learned there's certain things that you don't do with your hands. Okay, so what does this mean in the United States? Good, right? If you're in certain countries in the Middle East, this is the same as using your middle finger to tell somebody where to go. So don't do thumbs up in the Middle East, okay? It's not good for you. How about this one? What does this mean in the United States? Rock on, right, where things are at. If you're in Italy or parts of France, that means that you're accusing that person or telling a person that their spouse is unfaithful. Pay attention. So if you go to a rock concert in France, don't do this, okay? What does this mean? Peace, or in the 40s, that meant victory, right? World War II for where things are at. What else does it mean? Two, thank you very much. Thank you. In the UK and Australia, this is a sign that can be interpreted as rude or defiance of authority. You're basically telling authority where to go. Two fingers. What does this mean? Okay, in the United States, you've done well, I agree. If you're in Brazil, this could be a part of your anatomy that nobody wants to talk about. If you're in Japan, it means money. If you're in France and you do this, it means you're worthless. So when a waiter brings you a check and you're good with the check, you don't say, okay, because they think you're telling them that they are worthless, okay? So you got to be careful with your physical gestures in terms of where you're going. Many people can make a living and, and do make a living out of physical, looking at the way people actually behave physically. Poker players are great at reading people's body language. Detectives are awesome at reading people's body language. Are they lying or are they not lying, right? So according to studies conducted by UCLA researchers, people draw conclusions about what someone is saying in the following manner. 55% from body language and physical cues, 38% from vocal quality, tone, and inflection, and only 7% from the words that are being used. So when someone's talking to you, they're watching how you're reacting more than they are paying attention to what you're going to say to them. So keep that in mind when you're looking at somebody. So with all these great tools at our disposal for communication, you got to wonder, why do we continue to struggle? Why is it that we have such a hard time? There are a few major stumbling blocks to effective communication, and we're going to go through those. There are fill-ins on your, on your outline. The first one is, we are not listening. And I can't say it enough times, we have a very difficult time listening when someone else is talking. It's difficult for us. We want to get our point in. We want to be right. We want to make sure they understand that we have an opinion too and we want to put it out there. Um, we spend 90% of our time trying to make our point and only 10% listening, which is not a good number. It should be 50-50. Communication is an exchange of sending information and receiving information. It should be a 50-50, not a 90-10. The second thing that we have a really hard time with is confusing opinion with fact. Anybody agree with that one? There are so many experts out there. We talked about that just a little while ago. It's amazing. When I was in kindergarten, there was a sign that I've never forgotten that is very helpful for you as Christians, very helpful for you to live by this. It's called think before you speak. T, is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? And K, is it kind? That's what Ephesians 4 is talking about in and out is for us to think before we speak. Make sure that what we're talking about is true, not a rumor. I will tell you, miscommunication in the business area, in the business world, that is 90% of where rumors come from. 
You tell somebody something, you communicate it. If you didn't communicate it well, a rumor is going to spring up from that. It happens all the time. Third area or major stumbling block for communication is our perspective may be limited. Right? We don't understand everything. We can't possibly understand everything, but we need to make sure that we don't close our minds off at the same time. Now, as believers of Christ and followers of Christ, we need to make sure our perspective is clear on this one thing and make sure that we never forget it. God loves unbelievers and people who are still seeking him just as much as he loves us. He died for all of us. All of us, whether you believe or not, God cares about that person. So we need to make sure as believers that we don't become callous to people who don't understand what it's like to follow Christ, right? You can't be a good witness for God if you're callous and you believe that person is just stupid. There's just no way around it. We also need to realize that in the Bible, it talks in the New Testament all about how Jesus hung out with sinners, right? He wasn't with the Pharisees. He wasn't with the religious leaders. He was hanging out with people who didn't believe in him and they got converted. Another thing we need to understand, and you see it on bumper stickers a lot these days, coexistence does not mean co-belief, okay? It's fine, coexistence, got nothing wrong with that, but it doesn't mean you have to believe what everybody else believes. I recently read a, uh, a quote from Pastor Rick Warren who you know, wrote The Purpose Driven Life and is one of the biggest churches in, in uh, Southern California. It says, our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do. Both are nonsense. You do not have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. Amen? Amen. We have a problem with that in our country right now. It's really hard to watch the way people are talking to each other. Now, in Ephesians 4, verses 29 through 32, God commands us for how we should actually communicate and talk to each other. Let's read this together. Ready? Go. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their need, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you have been sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, that's the NIV version. Let me read you the message version. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Each word is a gift. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't let such a gift or go to grant, be granted. Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. That is an amazing part of Scripture and how we are being asked to communicate with each other by God. Now, we've talked about physical gestures. We've talked about verbal communication. We've talked about pictures. Let's talk about how we communicate with God. God communicates with us through the Bible, right? This is God's word. God wrote this. It's just as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago, right? It's divinely inspired. We need to make sure that we are pouring this into our lives. When we read this book, it reads us. It meets us where we're at. If we're new Christians, you get revelations from the Bible. If you've been a Christian for 30 plus years, you can read this book and get revelation for your life. It meets you where you need to be. So if you're not spending time in God's word, 
you're missing out on one of the most important ways that God communicates with us, right? If you've got the silent prompting in the back of your head that's urging you to do something good, or that little small voice in the back of your head that's telling you and applauding you for something that you just did, an action you just did, or correcting you for something that you did that you know was wrong, that is the Holy Spirit talking to you. That is God talking to you and letting you know that you're done great or that you can do better in your life. We just need to pay attention to that when it occurs. God communicates to us through circumstances. Have you ever been in the middle of your day and and by lunchtime, three people have already walked up to you and told you the exact same thing? Three different people. And it aligns with what God's been telling you in your heart? God will talk to you through your circumstances, right? Whether you've made good choices or bad choices, The result of that are circumstances that you wind up living with because of free choice, but God will use whether you did the right thing or the wrong thing to reinforce the way he wants you to live. God communicates to us through the church. We are the church, right? Not just us in these four walls. The church across the the United States, around the world for where things are at. The church is a body. The Bible talks about how we are a body that's supposed to support each other. We're all different parts of that body. Apart from the body, I cannot fully know God. That's what the Bible teaches us. God made all of us interdependent. We need each other to sharpen each other, to make each other better. And for us to help sharpen each other through relationship and encouragement is what Ephesians 4 tells us. Now, I said through relationship and encouragement, not through judgment and insults. The Bible wants us to encourage each other. Hebrews 10 says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate each other to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. God wants us to be with each other and to reinforce each other and to spur each other on with encouragement. Now, how do we communicate with God? We communicate to God with prayer, with our prayers. It's really important every day for us to take time and to stop everything we're doing and to communicate with God through our prayers. And what a privilege it is. It's such a privilege for us to know when we pray to God, he's actually listening to us. The God of the universe that's keeping everything together, seven billion people, is listening to what you have to say and cares about your concerns, listens to what you have to say. It's an amazing thing. But we need to pray without distraction. You know, a lot of people that I talk to when we're talking about discipleship say they have a hard time praying. And or listening or hearing from God. And it's interesting, you ask them, well, how do you do it? You know, well, I pray in the lunchroom. Well, this is great. It's good to pray in the lunchroom. But if you've got 50 people around you all chatting at the same time, it's probably not the best place if you have a hard time really concentrating on what's going on. There was a recent Pew Research study that said 55% of Americans say they pray every day. 55%. 21% say they pray weekly or monthly. And 23% say they seldom or ever pray. Even among those who are religiously unaffiliated, they don't belong to any church, 20% say they pray daily. 20%. Now, the surveys also said that women are more likely to pray than men. Okay? And people over the age of 65 are much more likely to pray than those under the age of 30. We need to make sure that we're taking time for God. Now, there are a few reasons that we have difficulty with our prayer time. One of them is the inability to be still and listen. So I'm again telling you, the inability to be still and listen. Our ability to listen is really a key to us being successful in life. 
We live in a fast-paced culture. It's noisy. It's constantly bombarding us and asking to grab our attention. Uh, most of us suffer from information overload, which results in us having a very difficult time sitting down and concentrating and praying to God and hearing what he has to say. You agree? Okay. Another reason we have a hard time praying, quiet and silence are uncomfortable for us, especially in a group setting. Did I make you uncomfortable just now? Did you wonder if I had a brain aneurysm? (laughs) We have a great difficulty, even when it's quiet, training our brains to pray and to concentrate on what we're trying to do. So it takes practice, it takes time, it's something that we need to do. Even Jesus found it necessary to withdraw. In Mark 1.35, very early in the morning while I was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Many times in the Bible, Jesus goes off on his own, away from the disciples, away from any noise, away from any distractions to be able to pray to God. If it's good for Jesus, it's good for us, okay? Another reason we have a hard time praying, busyness. How many people in here are busy? It's okay to raise your hand. We're all busy, right? We need to develop a plan and be proactive and intentional to foster our prayer. It takes quality time, which means time set aside to contemplate, to reflect on how our lives are going, which means unhurried, uninterrupted time. Um, A great way to do that is to have a point in time every day for doing devotions, reading the Bible, and praying to God about what you read. Um, Small groups are a great way for you to have an extra piece of time devotionally, where you have a chance to pray. Yes, it's a small group setting. There's more people there, but it's also a great opportunity for you to be able to jump in and do a devotion and pray if you're not used to doing that on a daily basis. So something I've said years ago, busyness is not synonymous with godliness. Okay, those two things are not, don't go together. You can be very productive for God, but if you're so busy, you don't have time for God or praying for God or reading his word, you're gonna be in trouble from the standpoint of communication. Another reason we have a hard time with prayer is doubt. We live in a fast food world, right? We pray and we want an answer immediately, right? We have to have it. And when we don't get what we want immediately, an answer immediately, what happens to us? We either doubt that the prayer was worth our time or if God is listening to us. So we need to make sure that we don't let doubt creep into our prayer life. And lastly, self-sufficiency. As human beings, we are hardwired to take pride, which is not a good word, pride in the fact that we can solve our own problems. We can overcome, we can achieve. That's a great aspect of our lives when we're trying to, you know, better ourselves. But if we take pride in everything we do and we don't pay attention to the fact that we need God, then we've got a major problem on our hands. If we never release our life to God because of pride or because of self-efficiency, we're going to have problems. You're going to have difficulty in your life, and you're never really going to understand how God has wired you or called you into ministry. Prayer demands that we give our whole selves to God. Now, we also communicate to God through our worship. So worshiping on Sunday is great. I hope you do it every single day. It doesn't have to be singing. You know, just the act of reading God's word and spending time is a way of worshiping God. We also communicate to God through our actions. And here's something that's very important that I really want you to catch. Words are cheap. You've heard that, right? Promises are cheap. They come a dime a dozen. People promise things all day long in the world. 
Actions speak louder than words. God cares about how you love and serve more than what you have to say. So it's up to us to be able to work through and make sure that we are following what God's done for us. Now, we belong as Christians to a new covenant, the covenant that Jesus Christ bought and paid for for our lives, right? He died for us. He sacrificed himself. He rose again from the dead for us. It is a contract between us individually and God in heaven. Romans 10.9, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is an invitation for every single one of us to have a relationship with God. It's an individual, deeply personal relationship that includes God's desire to communicate with us on a daily basis as his sons and daughters. So it's up to us to make sure that we're taking the time and giving time for God because he gave us everything, right? Without God, we wouldn't be anywhere. Now let's remind ourselves back to Ephesians 4, where we started. Always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united with the Spirit. God wants us to be kind. None of us are perfect. We all make mistakes, but he wants us to live in love and serve each other, okay? This requires that we take action to prioritize time for God, to stop, to be still, to pray, to listen, to read his word, to continually learn, to improve ourselves, to love and serve, and most of all, to allow God to move in our lives. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.